we are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Knights of Paintown, a City of Miss actual play podcast. I am your master of ceremonies for this amazing game, Mikey. You can follow me on my personal social medias at PopCultureGeek, or you can follow us collectively here at the D&D Vibe Tribe Productions. Make sure to give us a follow to stay up to date on all the projects we got going on. We got lots of actual play podcasts and we have a few pop culture ones. So it's a good time all around and we got something for everybody. As always, joining me in our first Fireside Chat episode for this series, I have my amazing cast of players. So we're going to do some introductions. They're going to introduce who they are, any socials or projects they want to plug, and who they are playing in this amazing game. So the first player that's going to do that for us is going to be Wes. Hi, I'm Wes, and I play Mac, the, the slight brute force of death and destruction and banshee destruction. Yes, I rehearsed that, by the way, just throwing that out there. Don't give me your soft claps. Also, I play Amino Ekid in Call of the Deep, which you'll have to go there to find out more about him. I have nothing else to plug, and I am excited to cause all the distraction I can during this fire. It's going to bound to happen. I've just accepted it. All right, so next player to give us their introduction is going to be Echo. Hi, everyone. This is Echo. Let's... We are here in the fireside. We're going to bounce some music way back. Talk about funny moments. Hit rage with a car. I pass. Oh, yeah, that was a thing that happened. We'll get into that in a little bit. All right. So, of course, Echo, can you tell the lovely audience who you are playing in this campaign? If you're this far in the series, you should know who I'm playing first off. But for those who don't know, I play Corey O'Reilly. Our lovely ex-Irish mobster. That's great. Alrighty, next person to give us their little introduction is going to be Josh. Guten Tag und hallo allerseits. It is I, Josh, aka MG Preacher. Or, if you're watching this, you uh, probably know me better as Friedrich Krupp, a police canine handler from the uh, San Francisco police department stationed in pain town you can follow me on uh tiktok at mg preacher or instagram at and i am in a lot of these actual play podcasts so it would mean so much to me if you would go and check them out and also it shows our lovable marshall mikey a lot of love as well yeah stay tuned and you're gonna hear a lot of shenanigans Oh my goodness, this is going to be a good time. And of course, certainly last but not least, we have Rage. My name's Ryan, and I'm playing Dean from Pain Town. And I would just sit back and relax and watch the show. This is going to be a good time. All right, so with introductions out of the way, yeah, welcome to the first Fireside Chat episode. So these are going to be special type of episodes if you are... Just tuning into this series. Hi, welcome. I highly recommend you uh, going to check out the last previous episodes. But if not, this is a good jumping in point to catch you up on everything that has transpired so far in Knights of Pain Town. So the purpose of this is for us as a cast to just talk about the pre- the first case slash chapter slash arc, whatever you want to call it. 
and just go over it from beginning to end and just talk about what happened. I allow my players to ask any questions and then just shoot the shit, so to speak. Oh, boy. Where to begin in this in this mess that was the first case? No shit, Sherlock. This is going to be a great. But yeah, so <laughs> honestly, I think probably my favorite part was just the beginning port episode, like the very first episode. We didn't even jump into the case. I wanted to give everyone a chance to let their characters run wild, so to speak. And get to know them before dropping all of y'all head first into the mystery. And honestly, I think let's just start there. So it was very interesting how this all started because, yeah, we just just did whatever and it ended up working great. And initially, yeah, the beginning of this had the running joke of the stupid bazooka, which, by the way, it will this come eventually. Don't ask me about it's it. It's still coming, boys. Don't We're ask not, me about it. Don't, don't forget about the original episode name, the electrical bazooka lore. I'm still waiting for my bazooka. You will get your bazooka. Don't make me turn this car count, around. I don't count as a bazooka. I, 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 talked with, I talked with the marshal, and he said each of us is going to get a quadzooka, okay? Since yeah. when? <laughs> Don't you mean the Hydrazookas? Yeah. This is what I have to deal with. This is what <laughs> I have to deal with. <laughs> I think we already broke my key. <laughs> Listen. I guess was... Oh, no. But yeah, the bazooka will eventually come. But I'm that pair. I'd be like, if you don't stop fighting, I'll turn this car around. We didn't uh. mention it at all last episode, though. So we're allowed to mention it this episode. <laughs> Anywho's. But yeah, so honestly, that first episode, the first two episodes actually were pretty good because not only were they a good introduction to your characters, but it was interesting to get a glimpse of their private lives before throwing you into the case. Yeah. So let's just go through it, because honestly, I had a really fun time working with each of you to establish what quote unquote home life looked like for each of your characters. So I think, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to start with you, Echo. So I. And again, if you are just tuning in, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to dive deep into these episodes and talk about it. So if you have not heard them before, I recommend you pausing this. Go catch up with the first case, which is titled The Killing Her Softly arc. And then come back and listen to all of this. But if you aren't the type of person for spoilers, then you can go ahead and continue listening here. But. One of the things that I had the most fun with you, Echo, was establishing not only what Corey's life looked like, but I enjoyed figuring out the relationship that he has with his two daughters that we got to see a glimpse of, especially yes. since one of them is awakened to the mist and the other is not. Yes. Mikey, I decided to do that because I thought it would be an interesting character development. It was, and it hurts. Yeah, and then here's the thing, and this is something I say to all my players when we like we make light of it, but if you give me an idea, and all of you guys across the board know this, if you give me pieces of story to work with, I'm going to run with it. And while I might be causing quote unquote emotional damage for a lot of these things, honestly, I'm just running with what you guys give me. You give me a prompt and I'm going to swing for the fences with it and see what happens. And that's one of the more interesting things with your character, Echo, is because 
I have yet to do a game where the character actually has children. And so for me, it's a new experience of finding that balance of making sure that the family dynamic is at the forefront of it. But because of what we discussed behind the scenes and just the overall story and backstory for Corey, I want to make sure that there's a sense of melancholy with it because spoiler alert, and this was said in the episode, Corey is raising his two daughters on his own because his wife has passed away. As to the circumstances of her death, Ah, that guy's confidential, my friend. Which will be revealed as the campaign goes on, so I'm excited to start using all that pretty soon. But we got a glimpse of the kind of relationship that Corey and his deceased wife had in that flashback. Yep. Which, by the way, was not planned, and I just pulled that out of my ass when yes, we did. You did. You know, like, I'm just like, we're doing this, we're doing this, okay, let's go. And honestly, that was a really fun moment because it was, I like it getting to know the backstory of characters. Yes, I know exactly what it is, but to see it actually put on the quote unquote screen and acted out is something that I really enjoyed. And it was nice because Corey is this grizzled, hardened ex mobster. But underneath it, there is a heart, which is going to be so much fun to continue to showcase. I'm just excited because I love when, again, this is me thinking way too much about fictional characters for games I run. But it's a good it's a good character study. And I think you bring something interesting when it comes to that, because you're challenging me as a game master to use what you gave me and tell an interesting story from it. I'm also challenging myself. This is the first character I'm playing as a parent, so. Yeah, it's very interesting because, of course, neither you nor I have children. So trying yep. to get that that dynamic going is very interesting because we have no experience with it. But the I'm closest, really ex- I'm excited <laughs> to get deeper into it. The closest thing we have are television shows. Yeah, yeah as a parent, you did pretty good. Be 100% honest with you. Oh, yeah. And with. That reassures me because I was just like, okay, I have no experience with it and I want to be able to challenge myself to create a narrative like that, but to do it justice and to handle it with the utmost care. So I'm excited to delve more into it. And I believe I caused the funniest scene in that episode. Yeah, you running away from the cop. It was that literally. uh, Why are you running? I don't know why I'm running. <laughs> he didn't even do anything. He just he just stopped his hand. You just started booking it. Why are you running? I don't know. <laughs> don't get what that did do some property damage right at before that. Yeah, but it wasn't like run away from the cop warranted. It any everything worked out well. So yeah, it's just great how that scene went. Oh. Yeah, it. It was a lot of fun, and to be honest, too, it set up the potluck, so that's something that we gotta do now in the next episode. Put that on the spot. And honestly, those are my favorite moments when you just make up something and then it forces me to actually incorporate it, but I love that idea. And I just kept on reinforcing it. Well, of course. Yeah, something in our podcast starts as a joke and then ends up just becoming porn. The potluck inspired the plot now. (laughs) It has to be. 
But yeah, so that was a lot of fun working with you, Echo. But I enjoyed working with everyone and yeah. and spe- going off of that of challenging myself to create a dynamic and a story thread that I have no I have experience with it, but just on the opposite end. So one of the funner things of working behind the scenes was West. I liked every single thing we did when we were working out Max as a character and his backstory and just the idea. I can't put into words how excited that all was. But yeah, the fact that you because you presented me with the idea, he has a girlfriend. I'm like, can she be the leader of some sort of band in here? Yes. Well, something right, akin yeah, to so that, but for it, copyright it, purposes. Yeah, copyright, we can't do that, but yes. Yeah, it was fun putting him together and then putting that together and then hoping for the best because we knew he was going to be... We had base ideas. We just didn't go very deep into what he was going to be like other than something. We'll just go with that. And then the other thing, too, is that when you presented me with the fact that Oh, it says, oh, yeah, Mac has a girlfriend. I'm like, so how are we going to work that out? And this is the one thing as a game master that I'm still trying to work with. This is that I'm still trying to find when players want to have or are their characters are currently in relationships. Trying to navigate how to play their significant other is very challenging in the sense that. All right. How do we make this natural? How do we make this seem real? And how do I not mess this up when we're trying to be sexy time is the big thing. Like the flirting, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this correctly. I can't help it that I'm pretty. It's all right. Don't worry about it. No need to make you nervous. But no, you did great. You did. It did well, great. And I remember when we were doing that whole scene between Mac and his booth egg, the entire time I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. What I'm doing? No, I'm I, I'm the same way. To be honest with you, like I've never I've role played guys in previous games with significant others. Just never had a GM go. I'm gonna play a significant other. Oh god, nah. And then when we had that conversation too, because I remember asking you to, because that idea did come up when we were discussing it. And then of course I asked for your permission and your consent to do so because right. I never <laughs> want to make another player feel uncomfortable, especially when we get to the more... When it hits spicy time. Yeah, with the spice, with the sugar and spice and everything nice, as I like to call it. But, yes. Okay, that's the other thing, too, because that was another conversation we had, and not going into too much detail, we're playing that by ear, and if it comes to it, fade to dark, fade to black is the option that we decided to go with. See, you make fun of it now, <laughs> but I, I know I'm gonna regret it. I'm sorry. I had to do. I had to do the red versus blue thing. But yeah, getting to work with Wes and to create Mac and doing that whole little scene was fun. And honestly, it created one of my favorite NPCs so far, which is Mrs. Yu, the little Korean grandmother who owns the flower shop by Mac's yes, apartment. Which was a lot you. of fun. And I'm so excited because I was just like, oh, I'm just creating this character. It's going to be like a one time thing. 
And then I'm just like, nah, she's got to make more appearances as this game goes on. So I'm like, all right, Mrs. You will continue to be a thing. Okay, so let's just get into that. So <laughs> we're jumping to you, Josh. So it's ve- it was very interesting working with Friedrich and working on all that and the fact that you work at a police station. So I was just happy that you allowed me to create two other officers that you're quote unquote like homies and best friends in the force yes and then i then i spawn mirrors and then ramirez essentially became a meme in this stupid game and thus became canon as well (laughs) and once again that goes back to the fact that it started as a joke and then now it's become canon we get far too attached to our NPCs. (laughs) But I think that's what makes a game interesting is when you create fun NPCs that characters will remember and what people and players will remember. Now we just wait for the final arc where where we kill them all. Not all of them. It happened to Grimm. It's going to to happen again. (laughs) He will be the first to die. Yeah, yeah, I'm the old man and the mentor of you guys. Of course I'm gonna die. I'll make sure of it. I'll push you. <laughs> He'll write this down for later. He was three days away from re-retirement. Oh my god. <laughs> write him a suicide note. <laughs> oh no. It's just like, what happened? Oh, I don't know. The wind just pushed him off this precarious cliff. Who knows? I'm oh, hanging yeah. here. I'm sorry. The wind shoved me into you. I can't Hang out. You're oh. dead. I'm not dead! Shut up! Yes, you are! I think I'm going to be going for a walk. Say, won't you be stone dead in a moment? Hey, Echo, oh. just become Mary Poppins if you get fall off a cliff. <laughs> just use an umbrella. <laughs> just be like... <laughs> well, te- te- technically, we never said that I couldn't make a wooden plane. <laughs> we would have to work out the dynamics of how that, with the weight of the wood and gravity, but that's something I, for later. I got shape wood, and I got, let's make it dangerous. I think I could do it. <laughs> with a high dark. enough roll. <laughs> yes. You know what? <laughs> Just use a surfboard. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So let me start my lava surfing classes as well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, now we're getting God. into dangerous territory. But, yeah, that was such a great time yeah and honestly like josh i also had to give you credit too the fact that you just jumped straight in with the two npcs of dos and quinn just like right away i'm just like ooh, this is gonna be fun yeah i have some background on this kind of stuff so it's not hard for me to jump into an rp with a quote-unquote comrades in arms Yep. And again, they were just go- going to be meant to be like one-time NPCs. And then I was just like, the group is really taking a like to them. All right, fine. They'll accompany them. I, I can't not have them accompany them. <laughs> Screw it. I'll keep them alive this time. As I'll keep- I never try to kill NPCs, not intentionally, at least. <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> Listen, I can't promise that there may or may not be emotional trauma if the dice don't favor any of these characters. To be fair, one of them already died. Friedrich met that the the murder suspect. He was an NPC, but he was a means to kickstart the case. But it's like it's already been done, Mikey. Don't be sad. To be perfectly honest, when I created that NPC, that's his purpose. He's going to get murdered. He was cannon fodder. Yes. 
And that or, was the one thing I was just like, okay, I need to kickstart this mystery off, but I, I want to create an NPC that will do the job, but I can't give them too much personality because then if people get attached to them, it's going to be very, it's going to be very bad when they get killed off. But, but he was basically a battle droid from Star Wars. He was just meant to do that. Or he's the red shirt from Star Trek. Wait a minute, did you just make a battle droid reference? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Confederate of Independent Systems will now be out for your blood, my good son. Did you just say, Wesley, did you just tell Josh that he he's dead to you now? Battle droid references. There, there are three things not allowed in my house. Any of the prequel movies. At all, period. My kids don't even know they exist. Roger, Roger. Where to God. <laughs> And this and is the other two are I can't speak in mixed company. Mm, okay. Mm, okay. Get over this hunky German. <laughs> sure, that's what it is. These you know what, there, there's no way around it. You know what? You're back in because you fuck. You're pretty. Pretty boy <laughs> jokes. <laughs> I'm just a hunk of German love. Oh my gosh! I still can't get over the fact that's. What we're calling, yeah, it's a great time. <laughs> but yeah, the whole kickoff to this crazy adventure was a lot of fun. And of adventure. <laughs> now we have to go on the adventure of how we got rage here. We'll get to that because there was a little bit that happened before we stopped at the co- college and probably one of my favorite scenes too so far in this entire campaign, but we'll get there. Yeah, so... It was a lot of fun, especially like when the case initially started. I loved because I was like, okay, I want to play around with some mythology. So who can I use in this campaign to incorporate different mythological figures? And we'll get to some of them because it's very interesting. But yeah, just I loved giving the description of the chief's office as like basically ancient Greece, but in like modern day setting. His desk was made of marble. And there's like gold trimmings all over his office. So I was just like, okay, there's a theme going here. It was a lot of fun creating the chief and going, we'll get into it later, but having him be the mythos of this is a lot of fun to come up with. So I can't wait to get into that part. But yeah, going back to you, Josh, technically your character is the one that started it all off because there's, there's a guy that's dead. I need you to investigate it. Go do it. Okay. Actually, it all started off with me being the tra- uh, being in the training yard with the other handlers. Having the introduction of Cerberus was so much fun, and getting you to do that, and just being able, to, which we'll get into later. It's a lot of fun to see you how we've progressed from there. I put three hundred on dog eating his face off. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> it might happen, but yeah. So, oh, I think. I was- Go ahead. I was just making a reference to the bet. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, also geez. made Ramirez a thing. Again, it was supposed to be meant as a joke, but then it got into it. But yeah, so I really enjoyed it. And up to that point, we were just kind of everyone. We were just like having a good time joking around. And then I don't think it really got quote unquote serious until after you visited the morgue. I, I believe to which I'm, I was protected by a table. Yes. It's made of mahogany. And we never got closure if Matt got his fucking cookies or not. <laughs> we established that he did. I'm he sorry, I had an ADHD I forgot. 
It's okay. I was just like, you got the cookies when we got out. I was very concerned about those cookies. Yeah, well, I, be- I believe You're the part where it got... cookies than you were the case. I believe the point where it got serious was at the very end of the episode. Because the lightning shenanigans was just funny. It was a lot of funny, but like you said, it really did get serious once I started using our good old coroner, who has the mythos of Dr. Frankenstein, give you the rundown of exactly what happened. And then the fact that you guys put it together that why are there like handprints on these victims' hearts? Like someone squeezed their hearts and made them stop. It was like, why is there a black handprint all over it? This is just, there doesn't seem to be a correlation. Wait, let's do some research. The fact that Corey called his kid to find some information was just hilarious to me. Be like, yo, I need your help. I know you're at school, but can you do this for me? To be honest. What teacher in their right mind would speak to Corey at a parent-teacher's conference? I mean... Would you want to speak to Corey? Was that so, a yeah. question, or are we talking, like, character, or <laughs> us personally to Corey O'Reilly? Because me, personally, yeah, I don't care who anybody is. It might come back to bite me in the butt later, but... Yeah, and then... After that little scene, it was just like, all right, this is what it looks like. And then as soon as the word Banshee got dropped, <laughs> watching oh, Echo just react was hilarious. Sorry, people. I love mythology. And I can only do Irish mythology for O'Reilly. So I had to do that whole scene. But it was so fun doing it. No, nope, I'm done. Peace. It, like, Banshees mean something. Like, I'm not of Irish descent. I'm of Scottish descent. They still have a a version of that in Scottish mythology too. It's just a different name, but the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that part because it's just okay. Why are they in Scottish mythology? I used to know. In Scottish mythology? I learned something new today. <laughs> that is why I love you guys because you guys educate me and it's a lot of fun. But yeah, with the Banshee edges, Corey be like, nope. I think and that Mac w- asks if he says on a ball, have you ever dealt with the Banshee? And Max, yeah, that's why you've talked to my ex-wife or you haven't met my ex-wife or something along those lines. <laughs> yes, he did. And, yes, and, he I'm did. Like, and I'm like, yes, we did. She tried to and kill me. And of course she did. She's a fucking crazy psychopath. I'm so happy I survived. Oh, so, I almost Sorry. forgot. So we're going to backtrack a little bit, too, because one of my other favorite moments came when everyone started getting picked up to go head to the coroner's office. And Mac, you had a little meeting with your boss, who is, I don't want to say is kind of a scumbag, but he is a scumbag. He's a scumbag. He's a scumbag. Yes, he is a scumbag. He's a scumbag. Yeah, so we can canonically say he is a scumbag. But the one thing that I wasn't expecting is that when you didn't do too hot on that roll after he was poking and prodding you, and then just like the half transformation started, I was just like, oh shit. It was actually really easy. Because I pulled, like, actual, when I deal with supervisors and managers at work, that's exactly how it turns out. It's, all right, there's two ways this can go. It, I don't grow extra hair and horns, but basically it's the same general principle. Or intimidation. I, 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 I do, I, there is legit intimidation when it comes to supervision. There's a reason I work a union job. It's really hard to fire me. That, I, I, I also like how we're like, we could just get you out of this work. You can do it legally. I can do it illegally. But Max, nah, I got this. Don't worry about it. 
And the whole Don't worry, I got cops that were there is just sitting there. If you want, we can file a warrant. This guy's a creep, so. <laughs> You guys do know he's actually committing fraud right now, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. It was just a good time, too, because, like, Mac leaves and then he comes back. And you guys notice that he's a little more hairier and there's a slight protrusion on his head, but nobody questions it. It's hormones. Yes, just that's hormones. exactly what you said, too. That's exactly what you said, too. <laughs> I was about to make oh a joke. Goodness. I was going to say, yeah, he was only a little horny at the time. <laughs> No, he was really only a little horny because he only had, like, little nubs of his horn sticking out from his head. You leave me out of this. You leave me completely out of this little... <laughs> oh, no, we'll return to that because you went full horny later, but that's a different story. Ah, uh, we'll yes. Get, which we'll get into later. But, yeah, so that was a good part. And then once the case properly started, too, that's when the real investigation began. And that is where we ended up picking up our fourth member of this game. So... Y'all went to the college to go pick up Dean. And I think that was probably one of my favorite moments. He's just like, I'm going to book it as soon as he sees them. <laughs> I want, I wish I made the joke at the time. Dean is secretly O'Reilly's long lost son. That would just be interesting. Stupid, but I'm like, no, we're separate. But yeah, without, as soon as I gave the description, like, Rage is just like, he dips and he just runs. There there's two memes of why you're running in this game. It was, um, he's it just was watching he's got bolt and he's in the back of his mind he's thinking, well, that seems familiar. Checking all we've the billboards and signs dancing. Yes. It was so good. And then the fact that we that Cerberus ended up chasing and just sat on him as soon as he got caught. Oh, which leads me to one of my favorite moments, too. As everyone was arguing, too, Mac was just having a full-blown conversation with Cerberus. Yeah. yeah. Chase that cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was fun. And then, yeah, once we picked him up, then things... So, I like the entirety of this case, but I think my favorite part is when you went to go investigate the apartment complex. One of the other victims, the realtor... And that was my favorite part only because it was like a full-blown investigation. It introduced one of the NPCs I also created too that I had to do some research and it was interesting that the, the doorman who had all these jangling keys had the mythos of Portuna, which is basically the god of doors and passageway. Also, my rightful indignation of it's her. <laughs> You're just like, it's her. After investigating, which also, by the way, too, I wasn't sure how it was going to go down towards the end of that portion. When you guys were about to leave, you met with the head manager real quickly in the lobby who owns the apartment complex. And Max just, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. I don't like him either. Or, or it's like, not now, boys. Not now. Yeah, that was really fun because I was just like. That investigation part be like, all right, let's check the floors, let's check the piano, let's check to see if anything was stolen. And it was cool to see all of you guys be like, all right, let's see what we can find and actually investigate things. Also, I liked how we did the whole, like, whole room with the body thing. Like, you stand here, I'll stand here. Meanwhile, I'll go on the second deck, trying to get a bird's eye view. Oh my goodness, it was great. But yeah... by the way, one of the more f- fun things that ended up happening was every time you guys went in between, like, places to visit, too, just the fact that 
everyone just let Dawes minus one time drive everywhere. And just that whole entire scene of everyone trying not to lose their lunch as she sneeds for speeds through the city. <laughs> I think Mac was in the back just chilling out. He was like, this is fine. And literally, <laughs> indie death metal is all I could see every time. Like, they're driving. I was like, oh, that was- part. <laughs> I forgot about that part, too, that she puts on in like indie death metal. It's so good. <laughs> and, it exists. And, and, don't, and don't forget of me just telling her, go faster already. That's right. You guys oh, dared her to go faster, too. Yeah, I was doing totally Have face. His face and palm, just like, oh, not this again. Can you my hair I can make it there in five. He's <laughs> like, oh, oh, that. I think I actually did say that. You did. <laughs> I, was, I used to be able to do it in five, and all I heard was a very old man going, back in my days, it could be five minutes. <laughs> so, okay. back in the back okay. You hop the curb and sidewalks is faster. Okay, so I want to put a pause on the story real quick because I have to do a quick shout out here. So I know people don't like being put on the spot, but I'm going to make this into public, into the public sphere. Wesley, I tell you this all the time, but your versatility and the voices is something I wish I could do that I'm trying to practice. So the fact that you can do it just makes me excited and jealous and all other types of things. I'm trying to practice as well. So, okay, so let me ask this, Wes, then it's just, I know it's a silly question, but how did it, how did you manage to get so good with this? Because I'm always trying to learn and it feels like I'm not getting anywhere. Part of it is it's, I spend, as dumb as it sounds, I spend a lot of time by myself in a truck. So to keep myself amused while listening to, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks, someone do a voice. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to do that. Or I meet someone with an accent. I'm going to try to learn that. And it's just repetition, like. To do an old man, it's just you always gotta sound like you're half about to die. And I'll do that for an entire day. Talk like that to customers, talk like that to dispatch, talk like that to my managers. They'll call me and be like, so Wes, where where are you at? I am at the corner. And it's all day. I will not <laughs> stop. And sometimes I bring it home. And my kids are very confused that dad sounds different. But they are used to it by now. They're getting used to it. But it's a lot of years of practice, a lot of years of practice. What are some of the other voices that you've come that you ended up coming up with that are some of your favorite staples? Staples, all right. So there's the the one I use for Aminowakid, which are just that that real low and hard cockney shit. You just gotta talk like this all the time. An Irish accent's another one I do on a fairly regular, just for funs and kicks, shits and giggles. I know it doesn't count for most people or actually everyone else here, but I use an American accent, which is May not, it may not sound like much, but for me, that's a legitimate thing, because I don't have one. There is no such thing as an American accent. When you grew yes, up in Canada, is. yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> Which, like, oh my god. <laughs> I day, and I was talking to one of my neighbors, mm. and she was from up in Rhode Island, and I just can't get over her and her husband's accent, and I'm just like... Oh. Those accents are wicked hot. There's, there's no way around it. They just... You know, there's something very distinctive about a New England accent that you just can't get a, get away from. Go socks. You can't get away from it. Harvard <laughs> Yard, you just put extra H's in random shit. You draw out, put A's at the end of words. It's, it's amazing, Harvard. Boston, go socks. <laughs> Can you do a New York accent? <laughs> a New Yorker? Wait, do I have an accent? Do I have a distinctly Ohio accent? I don't know what an Ohio accent is. No, I no, I don't think you have an Ohio accent. And New York, New York. Oh, I've only ever worked with one guy from New York, so I don't really 
I never haven't really heard one because I avoid any show involving New York because there's just something about that city that makes my brain hurt. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. but again, I live next to the place where it's like people and way small the place. Have you ever heard that? What was it? They have like that famous line. Forget about it. Oh, forget forget about it. About yeah, I've heard the forget line. It, forget yeah, about no, it. I grew up in Nova Scotia. Then I moved to outside of Pittsburgh and I got picked on for having an accent. In school, because Canadian accent is a legitimate thing. I get picked on for saying a boat. It's not a boot. It's a boat. And I'm coming from a place where it's all like, oh, you guys going down there to watch a stellar game. Like, you guys are picking on me for having an accent? Go fuck yourselves. Fuck off. Well, what type of accent do I have? I'm now interested in this. It just, I don't know, I don't want to sound rude, but it's just the everyday like American accent. Like, it's just a distinct thing for me. It's not, here's the thing. I don't think it's rude, especially because like you said, yeah. you were raised in Nova Scotia, you moved to the United States, and you just were bombarded with just whatever it is that how people will hear and talk. So it's just, it's, it's just for me, it's weird. I like, mean, it's, you guys say it's about, the fuck is a boat? It's, it's a boat. It's a boat to me. And sorry, and God, like, I don't know, like, I really hope my kids pick up on that just to mess with people. It's fine, mate. It's fine. Okay, so then let me ask a really stupid question, Wesley. <laughs> I mean, all my questions are stupid, but anyways. No, so, no stupid question. So, like, why do people like to harp? Do you, like, find it that when people, like, give you the, thir- like, third degree and they make fun of saying, oh, it, do you say a boot? I'm like, isn't that a Canadian thing? <laughs> It actually reached a point, like, it's not so much they pick on, it's more so, though, you know, harp on, like, you said a boat and they start laughing. Yeah, because I'm fucking Canadian. There's a fucking reason I say this. And in all honesty, being from Nova Scotia, my accent isn't that thick. Like, I swear to God, outside of the fact my dad's mostly deaf, we need a translator for people to understand my dad. Because it's, he's like, real heavy maritime Canada accents. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, at, least not, at least it's not oh, like the war in Ohio of how you say because I say soda other people say pop and some people say coke I say coke everything's a coke can I get a Pepsi coke I don't even know why but I do it as I hide in shame <laughs> oh no we no. don't hide, we don't hide in shame in this channel but yeah it's no, like Accents and voices are just ADHD is fun, and I have a lot of it. It's just something that I don't know. It just came natural, and it's run with it. It's every time I start a new character, has a new voice. I think over time, voices and everything are getting worse. What was that, Josh? I didn't hear you. I said I used to be good with accents and different voices, but I honestly think over time, they're just getting worse and worse. It's. I don't know, like, it's like honing a craft. Like, my backup character for Call of the Deep has an Australian accent. And he, I want to use it, but I don't want Amanawaka to ever die because he is slightly overpowered. <laughs> Which, I don't want to say overpowered, but the fact that you wiped the floor with our fighter and that PvP was something to behold. A lot of Warlock experience. Can't, can't, can't wait for my one appearance and then disappear into the background. We'll work on it, but yeah. It's always fascinating to me, because I'm always trying to get accents better. I was just like, I only have, like, my standard three that I could do okay, 
But then I got to start learning more because then I was just like, not every character can either be Cockney English Southern lady and or my failed attempt of being Scottish. Every accent is just every different accent is just a different version, different like tonality of another one. Like English and Australian are very similar. But instead of being like, hey, how you doing? That's good. I might. How you doing? It's just different inflections on certain words. I do I pride myself. Words. I do pride myself like that. One of the only accents that I've done that has not diminished my time is my Russian accent. But I feel I've come to find like Russian comes easy to me, and I don't know if I should be impressed or terrified. <laughs> in the, in Russia, accent drive you, so it's okay. No worries. There's no worries. No problems. You sit. You you's fine. No no concerns here. No concern. Gospodonia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, so that was a little tangent, but I'm glad I, I wanted to know because I'm always fascinated to learn from other people. Like you said, it's repetition. So I'm hoping to get better as the more I do these games. But yeah, but let's take let, Honestly, because after you let's get back to the story then. So after you guys visit the apartment complex, pretty much from there, it was just pretty much just essentially a straight shot to the finale of everything, which, by the way. Once you guys went into kind of like the more industrial district and then you ended up, quote unquote, having the conversation with the foreman again, intimidation to a supervisor came into play as everybody did their intimidation. But Mac just went full on be like, hey, let's not do this today. Now, now that we're here, I would like to bring up a question which I had earlier that also someone who listened Okay, let's let's get into it. Let's get into the let's get into the skinhead debate. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it to give context to this question. So off camera, before we started recording, Echo had asked me a question about what meaning of skinhead was and what was the way that I was using it. So let me give some context. So. He asked me this question because I described the potential, a potential suspect as a skinhead. And so in this day and age, there are two different meanings that it could have depending on where you come from. So I want to have this conversation real quick because there are some people that had messaged me about it, about what the intention was and if I meant it one way or the other. So, really quickly, before we get into the description of this character, a little bit about myself without going into too much detail. I am a child of a uh, military dad. So, my dad is was former Marine, honorably discharged, honorably medically discharged, I should say, to be correct. But there's just certain lingo that Marines use that became part of my daily vernacular of hearing and saying. So, the term skinhead... There's two main meanings that I've come to learn throughout my life. The first one is the meaning that my dad had for it, which was a way that Marines would describe the way they have to keep their hair, which is usually non-existent, and they shave it down to the point. They're not bald, and they still have the little fuzz of it, but they have to shave it as close as possible to make it look like that you have no hair at all, and the only thing that was showing is your skin. That's the term skinhead. What is that definition? Now, the other definition is the one that most people tend to associate that word with, 
which is more the negative connotation of it, which is a skinhead is used to describe someone that, and I mentioned this during the case too, and that the second meaning is what was to use to describe your potential subject suspect is that the second meaning of skinhead is someone who belongs to the Aryan brotherhood, like white power nation, all that good stuff, whatever you want to call it. And just to peek behind the curtain, that was something that I wanted to include anyways, which sounds very bad with no context, but it was a way to incorporate it because it's a realistic thing. There are people either part or used to be a part of that, and it's a real life. And in this context, the way that I wanted to do it is because of the way that the case was laid out is that this was meant to be a red herring. But obviously, you guys didn't fall for it, which is a good thing. But anyways, going back to the conversation. So when I was describing your red herring suspect, our deaf metal worker. And I did, made the description when you guys did some investigation into him because he did used to be a part of the quote unquote Aryan Brotherhood. He got arrested for that kind of behavior, went to prison, decided that's not what he wanted to do with his life anymore. And then he decided to turn his back on that, though he still has the bald head and all the tattoos, which, you know, are. And as a character note that I made for him is, is that he keeps his tattoos to be reminders of his past and to make sure that he never goes back to being that person he was because he's striving to look forward and becoming better. So that's why the foreman gave you that information and was very protective of him because he was trying to better himself. Now, this is always, as a game master, for me, that's always a difficult thing, especially when you are running games and then they start to incorporate some not-so-fun stuff. So that was one of the things that... I wanted to make sure that I tried to handle with care because I know that there are people out there who've had experiences with people of the Aryan Brotherhood that were not the best. And so I wanted to handle it with care and try not to glorify it in a way because it was, it is, not was, is a messed up thing. And the consequences of that are really bad. And I think for me as a game master, that's one of the more challenging aspects of it, especially when I... When players or when I want to start using things as a storytelling tool, because this game, as fictional as it is the one podcast that is grounded in the most reality, even if you are using mythical figure powers, because you're playing human beings in an actual city. And for me, I used to be afraid to incorporate some of the nitty gritty stuff into my campaigns because I won. Most of them I've never had personal experience with, so I never feel like I can do it justice or handle it with care. And number two, I wanted to always keep my games lighthearted. But as I've developed as a storyteller, I know that I have to include those elements because they're a part of real life. It's just trying to find that line of being able to incorporate it, but handling it in a way that is tasteful, as tasteful as it can get, and never cross a line and do shock factor for the sake of shock factor. And that was tough for me. And especially, okay, is everyone cool if I go on a quick little tangent on be on my soapbox real quick? Tangent. Okay. So, again, and this is going for the listening audience too, so because this is audio, you don't get to see our faces and all this, but I am a 
Latino, Hispanic, whatever you want to call it, game master. So I am of the brown persuasion. And for me, it harkens back to that I used to not want to include real life things only because from both sides of the fence, I didn't want to glorify the horrible things that marginalized groups are going through or have went through. But also on the same fence, too, I didn't want to get called out by my own peoples and saying that I'm feeding into the stereotypes and things like that. And so for me, where I've come and what I've learned from is that I want to incorporate these things because it's important and it's real life stuff that happens. And so for me, I feel like it's important to include some of these things because it's a discussion that needs to happen. It's no secret. And this is not a bad thing for anyone. But just like in most spaces, most of my players, not only in this game, but across all the podcasts are usually, what's the term I want to use? White, Caucasian? I don't know. I'm trying to find, I want to say it's a, in in all due respect, I think is what I'm trying to say. And I think for me. Personally, I don't care if you call me white, Caucasian or what. I'm just like, I'm just a human being. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. And I appreciate whatever you want. Yeah, and I appreciate that. But that also leads into the next point that I'm making is is that for me, I have to be extra careful on how I handle certain situations because there's always that dichotomy of being called out from both spectrums. I could be called out by my marginalized groups being like, oh, you didn't handle it in the correct way. And I'm also being called out by my own peoples. It's just it's tough for me. So that's one of the things that I had a difficult time with is because some as a POC creator, person of color, wanting to incorporate like these horrible things that happen to marginalized groups as plot points or character points is very difficult for me at times to try to come to terms with only because of the history behind it. And I don't know. I think for the most part, I've really only had three times where it's been touch and go of how I handle it, but I think I've handled it right. But I don't know. I went on a tangent for too long. I just want to make sure that I get my point across that these things that I incorporate because it enhances the story and I'm not using it for shock value, which I have been called out for a couple of times with doing so. It's always a difficult situation. I don't know. That's all I want to say with that is, is that if I include something, I always make sure to handle it with care. And I'm hoping that if I don't handle it with care, that my players and the listening audience will keep me accountable. So next time I can grow from it. But going back to this conversation at hand. Yeah, I could see where some people would have an issue with because I use the term skinhead. But I think that in this case, because of the description and the information you guys found out about said suspect, where he was a former member of the Aryan Brotherhood. I think in context, it fit and it enhanced the story. And I don't think it. I glorified what the Aryan Brotherhood stands for anyway, because fuck those guys. You did a really good job. Like you, you did enough to make it hit. But right. not enough to be like, it's a good thing or a bad thing. You just you did exactly what you need to do to keep everyone quote unquote happy. You did great. You did a good job. I, I, I agree. It was, people were just wondering why you made a part of the Aryan Brotherhood. But I was just like, it's a DM. It was his decision. I'm going to roll with it. In all honesty, it did hit home that way, too. Yeah, because it happens no matter where you're at. There's 
something like that going on. Oh, de- oh definitely. I just found it hysteric. Honestly, I found it funny because here I am playing a second generation German American. So I'm just sitting here. And I'm like, well, this is getting a little awkward. But I think it goes back to what you guys were saying when it comes to all this is that and like what pretty much all of you, but even Wes was saying is that I incorporate things because I do need to make an impact of the story because this game is for all intents and purposes, even though you all have myth like using powers of mythological features still grounded in reality. And this is technically a quote unquote like crime drama type of game where there are going to be cases and as a disclaimer to the way that this campaign is going to be run, there are going to be cases in the future that deal with all sorts of stuff. There's one case where there's going to be an illegal drug that you guys are going to investigate. There's potential for some violence upon people. And when I was coming up with all this, it's difficult because Yes, this is a crime kind of type of game where you guys are solving cases and talking to investigating what happened to victims. And there are going to be some times where it gets into the nice, the not nice stuff of being victims of crimes and stuff like that. But at the same time, because the way that it's set up, there are certain things that need to hit home in order to get not only you, the players, but the listening audience to understand this is a game. But there is a weight to everything that is going on. And like, I know it's not the same thing as skinhead, but I'm not from here. I am not a native to this country. So whenever, you know, I moved here, it was just, it wasn't like violence, but it was constant harassment. Like to this day, like there's four of us at work that are immigrants and we're nicknamed the foreign legion. We can't get away from the fact that we aren't from here. And I've been Uh, here almost, I've been here 20 years. That is, that is the cur- that is the curse of of America. It's yeah. Go ahead, Echo. Okay, now I have to get on the soapbox. <laughs> let, let me put it this way: I don't understand these people at all. I'm from I'm from Ohio. Maybe that's it. I'm from Ohio. Maybe that's why I'm not like this. But we're all just people. Treat, treat each other like those people, and. I'm going to go on a rant in like five seconds about what we should care about people for and not. Okay, here we go. Let me put it this way. Instead of us all looking at Hitler and just saying he's evil because he's evil. No, he wasn't. He was evil because he was a person just like me and you who did those things and was and that's what he wanted to do. That's what made him the whole evil thing. He, he saw himself as superior. And he believed his people were. I do not believe that is right. I believe every, everyone is equal. In some way. Sure, some people might be better at math than me. Sure, some people might be better at reading than me. Sure, some we got Elon Musk making spaceships. I'm not doing that. But we're all still people. We treat each other like that. And, yeah, sorry, I'm done. Can I say one thing real quick? A little mini history tangent? Sure. (laughs) When, um, 
Echo was talking about Hitler. What's funny is a lot of things could have been different if he would have just got accepted into art school. Okay. So we're not going into the whole art school debate. Okay. One, uh, one thing that ultimately led to his tyrannical downfall was the fact that he wasn't accepted into the art school that he wanted to attend, so therefore had to live on the street and got in with the wrong people. So I'm just, I'm not saying that it would have been different. I'm just saying that there is a possibility that things could have been a lot different simply if he got accepted into art school. It was also the war and the party that well, also... Yeah, let me, let's, let me... History is a tangled history. web of events. Never, if you're ever going to actually study it, be careful. <laughs> okay, so let me put it this way. So I'm going to pull, and I'm not even that old, but I'm going to pull my old man card here. He's going to pull the reins. <laughs> Don't look at hey, me you like that. Stop it. Don't give me that shit, I tell you. Okay, so let me put it in this perspective, too, because... For all the young whippersnappers out there listening to this, hi, how are you? But I know that's a common like belief that ha- had Hitler got into art school, maybe none of this would have happened. And both of you do have some merits. But here's what I'll say about the thing. Many people can play the what if game had certain different choices have been made. Maybe they could have led to a different outcome. But... We can play that game all we want. The only problem is that's not... The cards have already been dealt. Exactly. That's not the reality of what happened. So, again, we can all play the what-if game, but we, when we're talking about history, we have to be very careful that we stick to historical fact and keep the unbiased... Try to be unbiased, because when we study history, you're supposed to just study the historical fact of the things of what they occurred. You can theorize as to why certain things happen or the way the things turned out, but the only people who truly know exactly what the intentions were behind everything were the people who actually lived through those things, which unfortunately, while we're talking about all these events, they're dead. Most yeah. of them are anyways. All to say is that... Me as a person, I like thinking about the what if. Oh, we all like, as people say about what if this, what if that... I'm just saying, I I like looking at different things like that. So I'm just like, Uh, and also being being a person who's always loved history. I love looking looking back at different historical things. What if this would have happened instead of this? To to be fair, I'm having that history moment right now with the whole conquest of India with Britain. It shouldn't have happened, but it happened. That's a whole different conversation. That was a whole lot of turnout past Albuquerque right there. There's no way. <laughs> but to put to circle back to what started all this is, is that, yes, this campaign is going to include some very real-life stuff, and it might make some people uncomfortable, and that's never my intention. But it, I'm also, as a storyteller, there has to be a weight to these types of stories. Otherwise, there's no stakes involved for the players, and there's no stakes for the player for everyone listening to be like oh snap there is potential danger so this is the most this is the game that is the most grounded in reality as reality can get with you playing with mythological figures and having their powers and whatnot but speaking of mythological powers wait D is not based on historical facts Oh, I didn't know. Oh, buddy. Wait, you're telling me worldwide wrestling isn't actually a wrestling show? I mean, it actually it's not it, real. 
It's the for any who has listened to our D and D podcast. The cake is a lie. The cake is. Oh no, let's we're we're not going with. But anywho, <laughs> but probably one of my other favorite moments too is once you did corner the red herring suspect and the fact that his mythological power comes from the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. And okay, can we just talk about? Just the craziness that it was, because that was the first time we actually saw Officer Krupp over here go full feral for a little bit. But on top <laughs> of that, it was interesting. Oh, and the fact that we got to see that Officer Dawes's powers as a mythos, too, is really fun. The fact that she it has the mythological figure of a, a deity in a Hindu culture that's about protection and just designed as a mandala effect as a guardian thing is cool. But, Did this all start because I put a hit on who I thought was the suspect? Potentially. No, I think that's what caused this whole argument. Because I'm like, it's her. And if we don't, and because we're going with the red herring. And I, I wanted them to keep an eye on her. And if something was to go wrong, to execute her. Then I told the group this, and then Dawes went like, why? I'm like, I'm a bad guy. <laughs> I also think that's also one reason why Mac likes uh, Friedrich so much is because he looked and Friedrich is going all Wolfman over there. Oh yeah, Wolfman. There was like there's a weird camaraderie between Mac, Cerberus, and Frederick because there's just the we're both one step away from like biting someone's head off. And I thing is, like I was I forgot how you called and what it was that you called it. But I'm still new to all of this, and here I am already going like full send. Just give in, basically, is what you know, Max sitting there going give in, and Corey's no, don't. I've seen people get lost, but sometimes getting lost is half the fun. That's what Mac was sitting there going. It's just because it and all and to use it the D and D terminology, Mac is chaotic neutral. Like he's just here to keep himself alive and the people he care about alive. Everyone else, the world will burn. He's an anti-hero, but it it's so good. <laughs> And the way that the way Friedrich, you know, he's starting to turn into that. Max, like, just I know you're a cop, but let it go because if you keep it inside, it's just going to eat you alive. He's chaotic neutral. I'm more like chaotic good, <laughs> and I am lawful good, but I follow my own beat for that wall. Chaotic good. I'm going to keep everyone alive. You don't have to kill everyone to do it. <laughs> that yeah. it is a lot. Of, that is a lot of that. But speaking of which, so. That was all happening. This argument was happening. But one of my favorite parts of that whole entire part of the case is the fact that when the ghost of Christmas yet to come presented itself as, would you like to see a glimpse into your future? Max just, fuck it. Let's do it. And like, do it. No, Max just just touched him and it happened. Well, of course, there had to be consent. I said, I want to see it. And then you showed me his future and his only response was, fuck. Okay, so let's get into that because it was very interesting. It's this was something I was working on behind the scenes with Wes, and I was just like, okay, like let's talk about the girlfriend and what are some things that I can do and what are some things that we're not going to do in terms of just like storytelling means. And so what we came up with, I was just like, Ooh, I got a idea. Let's plot a story seed real quick. So getting into that vision of Mac going full Sarah Nunos. What in what looked to be an abandoned warehouse in an abandoned pool, 
with the girlfriend in front of a fully transformed Mac is so much fun. It was so much fun to come up with. And I cannot wait for it to come to fruition. Event. Can't either, to be 100% honest with you. I can't. I'm terrified to where it's going to go. But that's half of the fun is we give you ideas, you run with it, and we go, we roll with the punches. That is, that's what makes, you know, this stuff so much fun is it's not, we don't know what happens. And that's the best part. We don't know. And to be fair, we don't know if there was anyone else there beforehand. Yeah, true. Because all I know is I was standing there yeah, over top of. My lady friend, she's all battered and bruised, and I'm like a hulking beast, and that has... That's why Max was like, fuck, is it? I do it? Did I not do it? That has him, like, second-guessing a lot of th- And, Mikey, well, the description uh-huh. you gave me of the scene... Remind, I literally, when you describe it, I can only picture the pool inside the abandoned hotel and the Modern Warfare campaign mission all geelied up. <laughs> if anyone's played Call of Duty, they know that mission. They know the pool that I'm talking about. That is exactly what I'm picturing. So here's a little sneak peek behind the curtain with that one. So me and Wes, I reached out to him because I was like, listen, I want let's develop more of this because I'm so when I'm hit with inspiration. I'll, you guys know this. I'll message you at the most randomest times. Be like, hey, I have an idea. Yes. Like inspiration hits me in the weirdest ways, but I don't care. It's great. So when I reached out to Wes, be like, let's do something interesting. So without giving too much away, I'm excited for it to happen. But we ended up coming up with something really cool for uh, Max's girlfriend and what's going to happen in that little story arc in their relationship. But I also told Wes, I was just like, based on what we created for her, this is an idea I had. Are you cool with it? And just once again, players are awesome. Full send. Yes, let's go with it. So... Um that whole entire vision that Mac had, it could happen. It couldn't happen. I will say that it will come up during the campaign, but you don't know when it's going to. These, this future can be changed, right? That's all I had in my head was that line from the Christmas Carol was, this is this future can be changed. This isn't what is going to happen. Like He's sitting there going, I can change this. I can make this not a real thing. Or if I mean, it was- And it is a vision. Like, potentially... You could avoid yeah. it. You can change the outcome of what it is. But it but could be like the ancient Greek philosophies. It, it will happen no matter what you do. Truth. Oh, for sure. And Not no matter what. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see because that's definitely going to come up. And again, you could change the future. It just depends on the dice gods and if they blessed you that day when we get to it. But I'm excited. Okay. So one of the other more interesting moments, too, is that Officer Quinn and Corey made some sort of deal where should Corey's father come back into play or something like that? There's a potential of looking into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That conversation, again, was very. This is new to me. This is where I had to leave that night. Oh, that's (laughs) right. I forgot about that. Okay, so here's all new to me. Okay, so this is what had happened. So once again, I reached out to Echo because we were coming up with character backstory stuff and we came up with Corey's past and what happened to make him the person that he is today. And one of the little tidbits is that Corey is not 100% sure, but he's worried that some way, somehow his father will come back. And so... That's the one person, as tough as Corey is, that's the one like anomaly that scares Corey in the sense that his if you think Corey's fucking crazy, his dad is just ten times worse. <laughs> yeah. 
Are we talking Boondock Saints, Dad? Bruh, actually, along those lines, like they're on the outside, look outside of the law, and he's like way on the outside. Echo, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's a good description of it. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I would only ever see your dad as Billy Conley. Just saying. That is what we're casting. Like when I do the description, that is the casting now. <laughs> so this is that's it's gonna be great. But yeah, so from that, Quinn and Corey West had this conversation outside. Officer Krupp was investigating our uh murderer in her dressing room, but they had this conversation where Quinn's just, I don't trust you, I don't like you, but so you've been you've been treating us finely, so I'll do you a little favor. Should you need any help investigating your dad or whatever because Quinn has established he's pretty good when it comes to technology. He was able to get that information for you guys when you were at the apartment complex with no time flat. So he basically volunteered to help Corey because he wanted Corey to not break the law when trying to figure out what to do with his dad. Should his dad ever come back into the picture? So Quinn offered Corey to find out what he could about see what he can from his sources and all that good stuff and report to Corey if he finds anything. AKA No, we can't do the whole scene where we just all take off our badges, go in the back corner and just shoot up the man. Oh no, because Quinn already told you that wasn't an option, but because he doesn't want you to break the law and go that far, especially after Quinn told you that you have two daughters to think about, he's willing to help you as much as he can and you were able to surmise, too, it's probably more Quinn wanting to keep an eye on you so you don't do anything outside, outside the law. But he did mean that he wanted to, if anything, he wants to help you so you can keep your his your daughters safe and yeah. to not have them grow up without their father. Because just like real life, the foster care system sometimes is not the nicest to children who end up there. Yeah. So, again, that was another moment where it got a little bit heavy, but I think it was handled with care. And Quinn is a potential ally for Corey, which I can't wait to explore that later. Okay, let's get into this fight. Because this shit went away that I was not intending, but it was glorious. Before we get there, I would like to discuss one last scene. Uh Corey and Frederick's scene inside. Oh, that's right. Okay. Also, that also leads into a Friedrich's moment, too, of what happened with that lock on his heart after having that small little flashback of little Friedrich as a child. He is, of course, talking his uh, talking to his motor. OK, so I told Josh this after we did that session, but I'm going to tell everyone else here that whole entire flashback and everything that transpired too, what was said and everything once again came completely out of my own ass. I didn't plan for it. It just happened. And I just, (laughs) I improvised the entire thing. And this is why you're good at what you do because pulling that shit all your ass. So many puns there was (laughs) very, that's, that's what the mark of a good GM or good DM is being able to just go on the fly and just, here we go. Let's do it. Yeah. And I, and here's the thing. So only with only four years of experience as a game master in total across the few games I have run, I think for me, I think I'm finally coming into my own as to my kind of style of DMing, GM, game mastering, whatever you want to call it. Because for me, as a GM, my 
mo- the one thing that I value above anything else. Some GMs like the mechanics. Some GMs like the lore of things. I'm horrible with both of them. The one thing I do enjoy that I think I'm good at is that I just want to tell a good story. The problem is I got to make sure to incorporate the mechanics of everything, like the dice rolls and the things like that, which I think I'm getting better with because I got to remember to incorporate it. Because otherwise, if I don't, I'm just like, let's just role play this entire thing. I do enjoy your style, though. It's it takes a little bit of everything, like a little bit of lore, which not so much pain town lore, but more like mythological lore here. And a little bit of mechanics and a lot of story and i'm the old guy here by a long shot actually so i believe i'm the youngest (laughs) i don't know no we've established that echo is the youngest across all of the podcasts how old are you i'm gonna turn 20 this year turn 20 he's not currently 19 okay i have there you are three years older than my no you are a year younger than my total D&D experience. I've been playing for 20 years. So when I say I like your style, that's as a guy who's GM for the past six or seven here there, it's it's good. I like it. It's fun to play with and play in a game you run because you emphasize on the important part, which is the story. Mechanics are in combat and all that are just a means to the story. You emphasize yeah. on the part that makes a role-playing game an actual role-playing game instead of us just doing screw that let's just play uh let's just play like magic the gathering because it's all you're doing is combat there's no story to it you nail yeah. it and you got it down to a science da, you, da, 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 da. you could make the story out magic the gathering and i'm gonna try to do that with one episode of the podcast i want to see how that goes <laughs> well crazy stupid to do though well here's the thing though is that he was, I think Wes was just making the comparison too, because and it goes back to what I was saying. My style of DMing that I've come to realize is that I care more about good story moments and small story moments in between that players will remember across the board. And so for me, I have to remember to make sure that there's dice rolling, but it's an added measure to the what I emphasize and what I view as important is just a good story and as if everyone's having a good time with it like I'm cool with foregoing everything I had originally planned or mechanics wise if it's a fun story to tell which goes into the fight because I had a lot of things that I had planned but the fact that you guys work together and just narratively basically described how you were taking down the banshee i just said fuck it and we're just gonna roll with it because i emphasize the story bits now of course maybe there could have been a little more back and forth but again you narratively were working together which is something that i didn't think was going to happen and the fact that you all did some really cool shit and ended up working together to take down the threat i was just like Fuck it. Like it happened that way because it was cool. And I'm I mean, about I the rule of cool. 18. Beast boy over there <laughs> chokes the band. That the fucking 18, bro. That is that was a moment I was just like, see, this is why I do this is why I pull my hair out half the time. And this is why There's like, no arguing with an 18. You no, know, there's no arguing with the 18. But more importantly, that whole entire fight is literally an example of I get tired sometimes. I burn out because 
for the most part, it's a one man show on my end is like running these things, editing, making sure they're uploaded, which when I first started out, it was a little bit shaky, touch and go. But now that I've done this for the since November of 2021, I have a system. It works. And now it's not as stressful. But that combat moment where all of you like got to shine and got to do some really cool shit. That's a reminder of his own. Oh, this is exactly why I'm doing this all the time. You guys, my goal as a game master is, are they having fun? Do they want to come back every session? If it's yes to both of those questions, then I'm fine. Everything else is secondary to me. I just care that you guys are having a good time, that you want to come back every session. But more importantly, too, is that the games that I've run is a space where you guys can just be you and have a good time and not worry about anything else. It is, without a doubt, again, a lot of experience doing this. A lot of experience. Uh, Easily yeah. the most fun I've had playing uh, is playing in this, these groups, and 100% honest. I, I, I actually, when after combat, the calculations for the whole hell thing. Yeah, I, I did it. Yeah, you basically, with our help, you were able to get it to the point where it was a knockout. Again, you can't argue with an 18. <laughs> no, I literally, no, I was literally doing the whole tier system thing. Check it up on it. If he would have got three more points, he could have killed her and there would have been no turning back. Oh, of course. Like, I knew that was a possibility. I thought it was a slim possibility, but nonetheless, it was still... But like but I said, reality? yeah, but like I said, the rule of cool is something I always want to incorporate. And I'm just like, this is way too cool to not let happen. I was just like, OK, I'll just give them it. I'll just let I don't want to say let because that sounds bad. But I was like, you guys made it so cool. I'm just like, I want to reward you guys by letting you have this cool fight and that you guys <laughs> just completely decimate and not give her a chance to retaliate and respond. It also could be good story-wise, too, because we walked into a Banshee fight, wiped the floor with her, running off of, you know, not just rules of thumb, but rules of fun, and we could roll into another fight, have that cocky-ass attitude, like, we got this demolished. It's good story-wise, too, in all honesty, because it's our first real encounter thing, our first real fight. Oh, also, also, it's really like the first episode of Grim or... The other show was like, we just beat one of the biggest, baddest guys. We're we're going to do whatever's next with ease. It's not going to be that easy. Oh, of course not. And like I said, because uh, you guys did such a good job, I was like, I, I have to reward this. And that's something I always want to make sure I do. Is that, yes, I am in the driver's seat and I'm controlling most of the action, but... My players do something cool, or if they think outside the box, I gotta give them a chance to at least try to see where it goes. And if it works, yes, I might have to make up exactly how it fits narratively, but I'm fine with it because you guys are enjoying yourselves, and that's all that matters to me. Also, Rage, thank you for going with going along with my dumbass plan. Oh my god, can't oh, that yeah. was It was perfect. It actually changed <laughs> excuse me, changed what I was going to do cuz as soon as Crump went down, I was like, "No, that's my buddy. That's my that's my friend." I was going to go in and meet shield for him, and then I realized she's not going anywhere. She's flying. She's floating. <laughs> that changed my plan entirely. I'm just going to I'm just going to pummel her and plant her in the ground so that she grows little banshee plants. Yeah, okay. So that was also a cool moment. 
like Dean and <laughs> Corey working together was fun. Chris and Krupp working together was fun. But what kind of put the cherry on top of that whole entire encounter is when Mac just went full Sarah Nunos and then just pummeled her into the ground. I was just like, I was like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. There were so many things I wanted to say, like to her as she was on the ground. But it's really that is the like growly voice thing is not one I'm very good at and have trouble keeping. So I couldn't say anything. I was like, put you in the ground. Just as a side note to Wesley Philly, when it comes to the like low gravelly voice. So what helps me is, is that I in picture the bad guy from Inspector Gadget's voice. I'll get you gadget. Next time, gadget. You won't exactly. <laughs> but yeah, just that whole entire fight was so cool. And just this whole case again. Where we started to where it ended was com- the trajectory ended up still being the same, but like the path, the path was a little bit different, but I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to because we're going to next time we record, we're going to have our first quote unquote downtime episode where you guys basically each of you guys get a chance to do some downtime, whether you want to investigate any loose ends for the case. If you guys just want to like do regular stuff like for Mac, if he wants to go hang out with the girlfriend, if Corey wants to hang out with his daughters, if how Krupp did you know to... what I was gonna do? If Corey wants to go to the glass factory because he was really obsessed with that for a while, just saying this little road trip to the glass factory. There's something up there, guys. I'm telling you. And, and the whole my... time here is just sitting alone because he's got nobody except a doggo. He's got and the, the sad Charlie Brown music plays in the background. Dennis. But honestly, though, too, and that's a fun character development, too, because also Dawes and Quinn. So Krupp, if he feels lonely, those two will come over to his house, be like, stop being a sad boy. Let's go do things. About to knock on the uh, Friedrich's door and they just eh, they just hear him. I'm, there's no one here. <laughs> copyright purposes, copyrights. He's so <laughs> hyphen Lee copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Copy, com- copyrighted by everyone else. But uh, let's I'm I'm really ex- I'm really excited for the downtime, but I'm excited too because that end of the downtime is gonna lead into case two. Okay, okay. I wanna ask this question uh-huh. because I wanted to bring it up. How are we gonna do the whole End of the session thing where we would do like the usual tally up of hero points, crew attention and stuff like that. We're gonna do that on fireside chats, or we're gonna do that on those chats. I think what we'll probably end up doing is is that we'll do those off camera. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So oh. I think starting with the next episodes that we record, I think off camera we'll do those. We can do them before or after we record, too. Yeah. It's not a big thing, but we can definitely do that for sure. To be fair, we had six episodes of stuff to recover uh, because we didn't really do it. But let's just skip over that new season, new rules, <laughs> new case, new rules, per se. But yeah, that's something definitely that we'll do. But again, because this is my first time using this system, and I think now that I have a better understanding of it, that part will just come second nature, but 
Yeah, I'm really excited because the next case that you guys are going to be working on, I'm really excited. And uh, dr- drugs, gang wars. What is it? Oh no, drugs and gang wars is coming next. Do I tell <laughs> you what? I, I'm trying to think. Do I give you the name of this next case? Give us something to get hyped up on. I said that wrong. Okay, so. Actually, no, because I broke a rule at the very beginning when we started this campaign because I texted Wes image of because the way that this campaign works is there's actually a quote unquote like movie posters for each of the cases. And so I texted him one a long time ago. You probably forgot, which is fine, but it's OK. So, so you're gonna I'll, sit through. I will put it in general chat now that this case is over so you guys can see it. But. The next case, so you guys, so the way it's going to work is that we're going to do the downtime episode, and then the episode after that is going to be the proper start of case two, which has been titled Carnival of Machines. Oh, so it's going to be very interesting. And I will say that this case is going to just be prepared. And this is a forewarning. This case is going to be investigating a lot of the inner turmoils that each of your characters have because this case is going to have them confront their deepest, darkest fears and secrets. I'm going to start. I'm going to get Phineas and Ferb ready to play Robot Riot. <laughs> but until uh, Mikey, that... This something earlier. Uh, okay, uh, what's up? When we were talking about the combat scene. All mm-hmm. of you guys did something so cool and all I did was just tackle somebody but, but that's just equally as important because you gave the opening for them to do what needed to be done yeah and that's, that's what i was just gonna say too because it's like yeah all i did was tackle somebody but i knew this person was a banshee they personally did something to my character that causes a negative effect and friedrich just no I'm gonna tackle him. I'm gonna tackle him hard. It just well, I mean, it's a natural response because remember, Friedrich is still new to this world of mythos mm-hmm. and magic, so it's only natural to be like, "Nah, we're gonna tackle them. I want revenge." Well, see, I know with Max's case, he's not really used to turning into Sir Sir Noonals. He just used to having the voice in his head. And Corey's the one who knows all about this shit. So, guys, it's not that hard. It's three days away from re-retirement. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic for sure, and I cannot wait to see how that continues to evolve. But I think, guys, we just cr- went. We just finished our first fireside chat. So, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh yes, Patreon goals. <laughs> um, I was going. I was well, going to do first. a dumb distraction in the episode, which I never told Mikey what I was actually doing for that episode. So I'm saying it now. I was planning on doing the singing, the modern major general. I am a very model of a modern major general. But I was going to try to remake the song into an Irish mobster version. With Corey just singing about himself to distract the banshee. Listen, there will be times to bust out the show tunes because... We still listen. There's a lot of cases to go. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why I put that as a Patreon goal. Yes, you get to hear me sing. I'm going to try to remake the song. I'm my major general 
to make to fit an Irish mobster. AKA I have to sing all about stuff which I don't have to do and do so much research. Yes, that's a Patreon goal. And yes, it's going to be a high Patreon goal. And for a little bit extra, he'll do it in Corey's voice. So <laughs> I, th- I thought that was a given. I do have a uh, question for anybody no, listening to the podcast in India. If you have a way to make music, please send us an indie death metal uh, playlist for this podcast. Demonic Resurrection. Hindu death metal. It yes. exists and I listen to it. Send it to him. <laughs> send it to him afterwards. Yes, send it. It's great. But ladies and gentlemen and all non-binary peoples out there, thank you for tuning into the first fireside chat for Knights of Pain Town. When we come back next episode, we will have our first downtime as a kind of an epilogue and a setup for the second case. So we'll get to see what our crew gets to do on their downtime now that they finish their first case and all that good stuff. So until then, remember everyone, love each other, take care of one another, and as always, from all of us here at the D&D Vibe Tribes, let the good times roll. Until next episode, see you later. Peace.